the Mind Your OT Business Podcast, where we empower and equip occupational therapy practitioners to be savvy and successful entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Laura Park Figueroa. Ready to take action? Let's jump in. Hello, everyone. Today, we are going to discuss eight things not to do when starting your business. So if you are a member of the Mind Your OT Business email list, you will get this list. I think it's the seventh email I have set up in the email sequence that you get with business resources. But because you're listening today, you're going to get the whole shebang right here in the podcast and with some comments from me since I've made this list. There may be even more things that I've learned not to do (laughs) when running a business. But these are specifically things that I am sharing because I made these mistakes. And I feel like it can save you a lot of time while you are starting your business or growing your business to know not to do these things. And hopefully we can keep that growth mindset, which if you know me, you know I am huge on growth mindset. That is like my thing that I love. And at my business at Outdoor Kids OT, we have coined a word for failure. We don't call them failure. We call them fail learns because you learn from failure. And a friend of mine just sent me an email. He sends a really great encouraging quote every Monday morning. It's super fun just for fun. It's not a business thing or anything. But one of the things that he sent in the quote a few weeks ago was a Richard Rohr quote. He's a, I believe, a spiritual director. A quote from Richard Rohr, which says, you learn how to fall by falling. And so, yes, I do believe that. I believe there is much to be learned from all of our fail learns. And that is a growth mindset. Growth mindset is basically having the idea that we are not fixed, that we are not the same people today that we were even last week or a year ago that we can learn new things and grow and develop skills through effort and hard work. That being said, (laughs) I do feel like it is helpful to learn from the experiences of other people. So I am going to share these eight tips with you and hopefully save you some fail learns. You can just learn them here on the podcast. (laughs) So the first one is do not offer too many types of services. So the riches are in the niches. (laughs) So is your sanity. Start by offering one really good service that is going to be your signature thing that you offer and test that idea until you determine whether it's successful or not. And that way you can focus your energy and you can really not be as overwhelmed as you might be when you're trying to start a brand new practice or a brand new business. So my example for this is that when I started Outdoor Kids OT, we started with small groups because that was really essential to the model that other children are in the session with the kids. And very quickly, I started to want to grow the business. That's just kind of the entrepreneurial spirit, right? We all want to grow our businesses. We want the business to do well. And so one of the things that was happening was people were requesting individual services for kids. And so I launched this family outdoor service where I would work with families in the woods with just their one kid. And what I learned really quickly is that that is 
super fun and very it it was really effective it, I had the parents there with me the parents gave a lot of great feedback um, about the experience for them and for their child but for the from the business side of things it was not as financially viable because I wasn't charging enough for the service and so by the time you drove to the park to meet them and then talked a little after the session it really became like a two-hour thing where I was only getting paid for an hour of service and so it became um challenging as well to find staffing for it because most of my therapists work very part-time and so that was just an example of something that I offered for a short time but it quickly became kind of overwhelming and unsustainable and so we pulled that service off of our website and stopped offering that service once I had finished out the kit or two that I was seeing so it's just an example but really if you focus on one thing and do that really well that's the best plan of action The second thing is don't hire too quickly. So this goes back to that entrepreneurial spirit, right? I I always, that word is so hard to say, entrepreneurial spirit. (laughs) So sometimes we're, we're growing and we are having, maybe our initial business idea has been very successful and we're getting referrals and then we become desperate for help, right? You, you just want to grow and so you're just going to hire whoever is the first warm body that comes to you and seems like they would be nice with families and kids and you're just going to get them in there and train them and send them off, right, so that your business can grow. Hiring quickly just to fill an opening will usually be twice as much work in the long run. And so I just want to reassure you that slow growth is not bad for a company, Make sure that you are hiring people that are going to represent your business well because a bad hire early on can actually damage the growth of your business in the long run because if bad opinions or even not stellar, honestly, opinions get out there in the community about your business right when you're starting out, that can really impede your growth in the long run. Number three. Don't think you can do your books on your own. So I have said this in the podcast before. You cannot do your books on your own. You are not an accountant or a bookkeeper. Run, do not walk, to hire the nearest bookkeeper or accountant who can help manage your finances. Now, these people are not going to manage the budget of your business. You you need to do that. You need to know where your money is going if you have the money to hire people you need to manage if you have money for payroll and supplies and all of that. But don't try to do your books on your own. Make sure from the very start that things are clear for tax purposes and for your own financial protection as the owner of the business that your books are above board and done very well and clearly. Number four, don't price your services too low. People value what they pay for. We all, I've said this before, we're all helpers, right? All of us are OTs. We just really, we went into this field to help people, right? But if you price your services too low, people will not value what you do. And so the way to do that is to kind of look around in your market and find out what people are paying for services similar to yours and price just at or below that when you're starting out, just a little bit below it, so you're within range. And then slowly as you go, as you get more busy, 
raise your prices, test new prices out. If you are very busy and it doesn't feel worth it at whatever rate you're charging per hour to add a new client, test out a new rate, test it, raise your prices by $20, $30 an hour and test that rate out. And if people book at that rate, then that becomes your new rate, right? <laughs> so um, if you want to give away services, you can always charge a going market rate for your services and then offer scholarships or sliding scales for people on an as needed basis. But keep those prices high so that people value your services. And I want to say this is especially important in the field of occupational therapy. I feel like speech therapists and physical therapists are much better about, I'm sorry guys, I'm just going to say it, about valuing their service and charging what they're worth. And as OTs, we need to do this. We need to be valuing the service that we offer. We have a holistic perspective and a ton of evidence base behind what we do to be able to really be confident charging what we are worth to consumers. Okay, so remember that. Remember me saying, charge what you are worth. Number five, don't pay for an expensive website or logo. This goes back, this is, it's funny, I just did the episode on logo design and said this. I spent way too much money on my website. You know what? I'm just going to tell you guys. I spent 10 grand, okay, to get my website and my logo and to have some design expertise to help me understand how to set up the website and how people click through it. And I'm sorry, it was it was so not worth it. I mean, the people I worked with were um, kind of acquaintance friends, and I do not feel like it was worth the money. I'm, I'm just going to be very honest. I love the website. I love the colors. I love the outcome. And I have had people tell me that they they the image and the branding on the Outdoor Kids OT website is very clear and it looks very professional. But I'm just not totally sold on the idea that it was necessary for me to spend 10 grand on my website and logo really early on in the business. And I think part of it for me was wanting the, well, I guess some of it might be the area I live in. I live in the Bay Area where people are more, there's there's more wealth here. It's a very high cost of living area. And I do feel like people expect in this area a very professional website because we live, I where I live is 45 minutes from Silicon Valley. <laughs> so there are a lot of people who, you know, are into and, and experts in online business okay and online marketing and website development and all of that just tech tech industry so for me I felt like in this area I really needed that I don't know maybe I do but I in retrospect I feel like I could have probably gotten something similar much more affordably Um, there's no way to tell if it was really helpful to my business but I think learning good copywriting like which is writing for a customer. I'm going to talk about that on a future episode as well. Learning good copywriting is much more beneficial than a pretty website or logo. So if your website communicates visually what you want it to communicate, but also has words on it that talk to people's needs and establish you as a, as the business, as an expert in what their, what the solution is to a problem is that they have then that's what's important. So 
one book that I highly recommend is called Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. That that website, or I mean, sorry, that book will help you really hone in on your language about what your customers' needs are and how you're going to meet that need. And so that is a book that I recommend. Another quick read, which is really great, is Neville Medora's book, uh, this book will teach you how to write better. It's almost like a pamphlet. I think it's like five bucks on Amazon. But he published it a few years ago, and he's a copywriter who's very good at giving useful, practical tips about how to write for customers in a way that helps them understand what you do and what you offer to them. Um, website builders work really great. So I use Squarespace, and that's what the designers use to design my website, and I really, really like it. I know a lot of people use WordPress. I've heard that it's a little harder to learn, but Squarespace has met my needs beautifully. I love it. I feel like it's very easy to use, which is key in my (laughs) world where I'm managing two websites now, so that's just my opinion, but there's other ones too, like Wix or Weebly or things where you can build your own website, especially when you're starting out. Now, I didn't start out with a $10,000 website. Okay. I started out with a Weebly site that I built myself for a year and a half. I used that website and then I paid money to get a formal website built when I had employees and I was launching, you know, a a network of groups rather than just the groups I was leading. So just FYI, I did not like go spend all that money when I did not have it. It was in the bank account money that I had made. Okay. Number six, don't wait to manage your cash flow. So maybe this one should have been closer to the hire an accountant one. But um, I've said it once and I'll say it again. Read Profit First by Michael Michalowicz. It is one of the best books on managing your business finances that I have ever. I mean, it's just it completely changed my life as a business owner to use his philosophies. Now, I don't do it. If you do read the book, I just want to be very clear. And you'll learn this if you join the email list. I share some videos where we actually look inside of my bank account for the business. Um, I don't use his system exactly as he says to use it. But I do feel like even if you read the book and implement some of the principles, and I will in a future episode go into how I manage the business finances. But if you read that book and even just have an understanding of what he does and organize your finances the way that he describes to do it, you will be golden. It will help your business remain financially viable because you will know where your money is, what it is slotted for, what you need to pay in the future. It is it is a fabulous system. Profit First by Michael Michalowicz. Sorry, I'm giving you a lot of homework this week, all these books to read. Okay, number seven. Don't buy expensive equipment that you truly do not need when you are starting out, okay? Constraints make us more creative. Ask yourself, do I really need this item or is it a want? This is the way we can manage our own personal finances too. But really, before any business purchase, ask yourself, do, does the business really need this or is this just something that I think it would be great to have or that I think would make me have more fun in therapy and make it fun to do treatment sessions or whatever you're you're doing. Really ask yourself, do I need this? And that will help you uh, keep money in the bank account <laughs> so that you um, remain financially viable as you're just getting started. And finally, number eight is don't be afraid to consult a lawyer. So I have, I believe, 
said this on earlier podcast, or maybe it was in a business coaching call recently, but I did not pay a lawyer to set up my business. I got a Nolo Press book. They're a, a lawyer organization that makes law comprehensible to lay people. And they have a bunch of excellent resource books. And I'll link these in the show notes too. I'm recommending a lot of books today. Um, but you can you can read a Nolo Press book. I read the Nolo Press book, How to Set Up a California Corporation. And I followed the steps in that book. And I did it exactly as they said how to do it. I did everything they said, set up my own corporation. And then when I, when I had doubts, there was one step in that process where I was like, I just do not understand this. And I tried to do some research online and I could not find the answer. So then I got a referral from my the bookkeeper I was using at the time to a lawyer because I was in doubt about a legal issue. Okay. Lawyers will charge you. I did call around. Lawyers were going to charge me between three to $5,000, I think, to set up my corporation. And honestly, guys, you can you can do it with a good book following the rules of the book. Okay. If you have the money, go ahead and spend it. But I didn't. So (laughs) when I had that question, I paid $300 for an hour of his time and had a phone consult with him. And he filed some paperwork that I needed to do for that one step. And then I moved on with confidence that I was legally in the clear. He just looked over the things I had already done. And so you can save a lot of money if you are a go-getter, which you probably are if you're listening to this podcast, and you do some of the legwork yourself with some research. And I think that's what is important when you're first starting out to keep your business financially viable. You know, make sure that you're not paying for things that you don't need to pay for. I do not think, unless you are setting up some really complex corporation, don't get me wrong, get a lawyer if you need one. But I was setting up a really small business, just me at the time. And it was it was not that hard to do with a really good, reputable book to guide me and a lawyer to look over what I had done. Now, I'm going to add a number nine, which is not on the list of what not to do when starting your business that you will get if you join the email list. Well, it's like, number seven. So a few months after you join the email list. Number nine would be opposite of what I just said. Don't be afraid to spend money (laughs) if you need to when starting out in your practice. So it was very valuable to me to meet with a business coach when I was first starting out. That is something that I would recommend because it helps you to have accountability to get things done while starting your business. We all have the best intentions we all can have to-do lists. We all can have epiphanies and visions and things that we want to do. We can write mission statements and business plans and all of that on our own using books, like I just said. But when you have a coach who is asking you very specific questions and sharing wisdom with you about what they have done when starting their business or helping you think through the problems that you're encountering as you start your business, that is worth some money. Okay. So don't be afraid to pay a business coach once a month or to join some sort of online community where you're getting help starting your business, which I want to do in the future. I'm not doing right now. So I'm not pushing anything that, that I'm offering, but, um, really don't be afraid to spend a little bit of money to, to get your business up and going. And I, I met with a business coach, I'd say probably once a month through the first year 
two that I started my business. Um, and it was super, super helpful. She's not a therapist. She was, she was a business coach for women. So that is a final one that I would recommend. And I would love to hear if you guys have things that you made mistakes doing when you started your business, then please share them so that I don't feel like I'm the only one. (laughs) So, okay. Thanks as always for listening. This has been really fun one. Um, cause I love talking about failure and what can be learned from it. And we will keep going future episodes. Like I said, I have an interview coming up and, uh, thank you to all of you for listening. And, you know, I, it was funny when I was talking about that growth mindset earlier, I was thinking, Oh, that, that little thing I say at the end of the podcast is actually a growth mindset thing. It's thinking about just taking small steps and not feeling like you have to like have this perfect thing right when you start out. So remember small steps make great gains over time. So until next time, mind your OT business.